wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the exclusive execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest 
in peace. Get used to it in Ric Flair. Who you're looking at, the man. nights but most importantly what is going on to my ecw fans ECW, ECW, ECW. you know i'm giddy yeah, the professor is always giddy and i get it you know why i'm giddy reflection nights magnificent seven elite eight naughty nine terrific ten essential eleven you know why i'm giddy to the pwcites i'm giddy to the big vetoites i'm i'm giddy to the hamenites i'm giddy to all the ites left rights right rights uh Demites, uh, Republites, it doesn't matter. I am giddy because I am going to talk about something that I always love to talk about. My favorite wrestling organization. But before I do that, before we get into this championship edition spotlight here on the PWR podcast. Yeah, the PWS, PWS Networks at Podbeam.com. You see, I'm slurring my words. I'm tongue-tied because I'm so excited. But I must do what I do best, Reflection Nights. I must do what I do best, Magnificent Seven. I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. And I am that magnanimous man. I am that scholarly man. I am that stupendous man. But most importantly, I'm the glorious man. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC. The only objective man on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, and all points in between. Your friend of mine, the Professor Shabba Cruz. And I'm not here alone for this championship edition spotlight. I am here with my brother from another mother. The conservative liberal. The liberal conservative. Your friend of mine, Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Frankenstein. The man that's glowing right now from head, from the top of his head to his beard. Well, on the video, I can see it. Maybe you uh, pop-being reflectionites can't see what I'm seeing. But neither here nor there. Here's your friend of mine, Mr. Wonderful. Tommy Strong, a.k.a. The Tommy Wonder, and he is holding up some at some WWE Elite action cards. What is going on, my friend? How are you doing? Ooh, Andy Hartwell, uh, rookie card. I am uh, doing good, man. I'm uh, feeling better I find, than I was last week. That is good. I, I find it funny you called it an Indy Hartwell rookie card. You know, these wrestlers are not rookies. R- rookie card? She had no fucking card when she was in these... No, that's true, but you know, wrestlers do start. You know, they they have they have a starting point. So the a, a real rookie card in sports. You know, the professor. This is the way the professor defines a rookie card. Like, let's say baseball, basketball. You know, if you find that rookie card, like where they try out, like baseball, you have triple A, double A, single A. That's a real rookie card because they have started somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Indy Hartwell at the Performance Center is not a rookie card. It's just her jump. It's her jumping off point. It's where she's landed. But of course, she had to start from a wrestling school. Of course, she had to start from an indie wrestling, you know, indie wrestling organization, something like that. That 
that's a rookie card. We will never get a real wrestling rookie card because that don't really exist. It's only the, the wrestlers that debut in AEW not or true. WWE. Well, it's not true. NIL. Gabe Stevenson. His first but, card will be his rookie card and his first contract. And NIL. And he probably already has the, the the NIL is a good example, but that's exceptions to the rules. But, but real However, wrestlers... Okay. However, right here, I have hockey cards, right? Mm-hmm. A hockey player, a baseball player, a NBA player, an NFL's rookie card is his first card where he's wearing the jersey of the team that drafted him. It ain't the card with the minor league team on it. It ain't the card with the junior league team on it. It's the card that has the stats after his rookie season. Now, sometimes they have a card called Hot, hot Shot Prospects, mm-hmm. which in theory is still his first card. But it's not the card from his rookie season. And that's what okay. it's about. It's about their rookie season. So it's not even a rookie season. This card is from 2021. She's been there longer than 2021. So, of course. That's why I say it's so, not a. Unless she was there in 2020. Right. That's why I'm just got there in 19 and 18 and 17 or whatever. Yeah. I get so that's I, just That's just my humble opinion. Okay. That's just my that's my rule of thumb, you know, reflection. I say nitpick here. That's the way the professor is. But you know, wrestlers' rookie cards are never really uh, authentic, in my humble opinion. But neither here nor there. We're not talking about rookie cards. That's for another show for another day. Maybe maybe we'll do the PWR rookie. Oh boy, that that card right there for all the pop being reflectionites. He was holding up a Jeff Hardy elite card. That that that's like crypto right now. It's plummeting. That stock is plummeting as we speak, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not going there, you know, you know. But anyway, welcome to the PWR Podcast, guys. And again, last week, me and TW had fun doing the AWA World Heavyweight Championship Spotlight Edition. I thought it was the apropos for the professor to do his favorite organization, and that's Extreme Championship Wrestling TW. And he's holding up a Jungle Boy AEW Upper Deck card elite card there that's nice but tw now now we're getting into a different realm with this spotlight because again as you said because we've been fans since you know i've been i i was born in 77 you was born in 73 we watched the 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 high, highest of highs so to speak of wrestling now you know 2020 deuce you could call it the lowest of lows that's an opinion but i'm not saying that's a fact but you neither here nor there but bear with me, TW. But in the 90s... 93 is the, the lowest. Okay. But we'll go with us, that. But for, for us. us. For us. But, but since you're talking about the 90s, you know, the, the, like 93, that was the worst year of professional wrestling. WWE was suffering. WCW was suffering. The Indies were suffering. You was going into your perils of the Indies in, in the Midwest. But you said it last week. The main titles, AWA, NWA, WWE, that was your main titles of prestige, your main titles of history. Slash WCW, NWA, WCW, which to me is the same belt. Right. But as, as we go along with the years, like once we hit the 90s, you know, the territories, the titles are diminished. Of course, you know, USWA was holding on by a thread. That unified heavyweight title didn't wasn't really unified it didn't really matter that's another example of the, the titles dwindling the meaning of a title is dwindling so again the prestige is lost somebody had to get you know that someone had to put the torch up there 
And lo and behold, TW, this little dinky organization. I'm I'm being honest here, TW, because I'm 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 the most objective man. I will admit when it is. This dinky little organization from South Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, that born was originally called hmm? Born and Raised. Yeah, born and raised. It was originally called Reflectionites, if you didn't know this, but you, you should if you're a hardcore fan. It was Eastern Championship Wrestling. It started in 1992, CW. You know, it was started out by Todd Gordon, then in a, a couple, and Eddie Gilbert, respectively. He was a head booker at that time. Paul Heyman came a little bit, a couple of months after, after all the uh, shenanigans with hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, and the cocaine, the cocaina, all that stuff. I don't want to go into the politics. Yeah. I don't want to go into the politics, T.W., but I'm just saying. But it was oh Eastern champ- It was Eastern Championship Wrestling. Then it morphed into Extreme Championship Wrestling by 1994, respectively. But during that time from 92 to 2001, I claim that this title, this ECW Heavyweight Championship, which started out small because it was a dinky indie promotion, uh... Evolution, you know, elevated itself to prominence, ele- elevated itself to prestige, elevated itself that to this day in 2020 deuce, not only are people still chanting ECW for, you know, there's a reason for it, but that still means something. That title still means something to this day. You, you could, we could, we're going to talk about the cast of characters that was holding on to the belts in a couple of minutes, Reflection Nights, but TW, what say you? Did ECW, in your mind, elevate itself from dinky to respectable to prominent? Absolutely, but I, I still wouldn't say it was a world title. I would still say it was a regional regional title, but I like what they did. I mm-hmm. you know I, I watched that thing with um, Shane Douglas for the first time today, right? I'd seen clips of it here and there. It mm-hmm. was far, far less brutal as it was portrayed to be. You know, like when I heard it, I thought it was just one more reason for me not to like ECW, like as far as wanting to go there, like shitting on mm-hmm. tradition or whatever. But they did everything well. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know why they did it. They had to do it. He said it in the speech uh, to go from Eastern Championship to Extreme Championship, which which is when the belt went from Eastern Champion or mm-hmm. Eastern Championship Wrestling Champion to Eastern Championship or Extreme Championship Wrestling World Champion. I know right. why they did it. I don't know that they, I, you know, I got to ask you. I know we haven't said what happened, but with them interviewing um, Corluzo, he had to be in on it, right? Uh, well, I'll get into that. Well, since you want to talk about it first, because I wanted to talk about the first champion from Eastern, but I'll get into this right now. Remember, T.W., that Eastern Championship Wrestling was affiliated with right. the resurgence of the National Wrestling Alliance. So it was Great Lakes Wrestling, which I, I was the champion of. It was NWA Great Lakes. But this is from a, from a fan's perspective. You was in the business end of it, so to speak. Not yet. But from a, from a fan's perspective, I look at it this way. Everything that Shane Douglas said in that promo is true. It's yeah. a dying organization. It didn't mean... Not dying, Jed. It was dead. Well, he said it was RIP seven years ago. It it died in 88. But they were trying to recapture the glory days of the NWA syndicate, the glory days of having all these territorial arrangements, so to speak. So Carluzzo thought that he was actually duped by Paul Heyman. 
He thought that it was initially was to do the NWA versus ECW unification. It, that's why he was agreeing to it. So he uh, thought that that was that was what it was going to be initially. That was the work shoot in his mind. But Paul Heyman said we were getting out of this because we did not want to be involved with National Wrestling Alliance. He told Todd Gordon, "We can't, we can't be with them because then we'll die in like two years." And probably that that was so because of. What they did made such a mark in wrestling. I'm not saying they made a mark in, in, in the world. I mean, this is not World Cooler talk. This is not Monday Night Wars talk. But this is Philly really resonated with this because I said we don't want we don't want the NWA. We want our own shit. That's how important it was to those 500 people in the ECW arena. But I will talk about that. In more detail, reflection nights, but let's start with 1990 Deuce, TW. And again, we only know two organizations on cable TV at this time. We only know the WWF. We only know WCW and all that stuff. But the funny thing is, for Eastern Championship Wrestling to be affiliated with the National Wrestling Alliance, you know, it's almost like, I'll, I'll say this, TW, and then you can retort back. Everybody used the NWA because there is it is a name. It's but the NWA is like uh it's like the the whip it's like the the simp. It's like the whipping boy. He will do anything to please his girl, but yet the girl is taking advantage of him. The girl is tricking him out. He's gonna give he's gonna give her the money, you know, to, to shop. He's gonna give her the car to use, but he'll never get the pussy. That's what the NWA was. <laughs> what say you about that? Because that's probably what's Great Lakes, they use the NWA up and then spit them out when they didn't need them, when they had enough traction for themselves to book and get the money themselves. Or you had to we, do never, we never did that. I, I, I could see, like, well, problem is, okay, uh, Eddie Gilbert being involved with it, Paul Heyman being involved with it, Shane Douglas being involved with it, already makes it better than most indies there is, mm -hmm. right? A lot of indie promotions are run by the fucking George Souths, the Reno Riggins, the the Louis Spicoli, if he would have lived long enough to be a job guy who started a Al Snow, Al Snow, before he made it to ECW, he had Lima's, you know, wrestling, which is still alive and, and thriving today. It's not his. It's called, well, I, I bet Vickery. But he runs, it, he runs OVW right now, so. Right, but I'm saying he had Body Slammers Gym, a school in Lima, Ohio, that I went to to learn top rope shit, affiliated okay. with Can-Am Wrestling School with Scott. Um, and then he had uh, WWA, I think we were, GWA, Global, mm -hmm. no, no, GWA is what he changed it to when the guy from Cleveland bought it, it became Global Wrestling Alliance, right? Um, right? But before that, it was just this little engine that could in Lima. We wrestled in fucking every festival that came, I was wrestling every weekend in Ohio at a festival somewhere, right? And you would try to get booked in Kentucky or Indiana or somewhere on Friday night so you can make a two-shot out of it, you know? Or you'd go down there on a Saturday at noon and wrestle till midnight doing TV taping. So Al was an indie, but would have played ball at better territory with the NWA if they were around. They weren't, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Plus Heartland would have been with Les Thatcher. But my point is, Al was the nobody yet. Once he became ECW, he sold his fucking school to Mustang Mark in Cleveland, and he's out of the fucking thing. So he didn't do it, right? But having Gene Austin, God bless him, he's a, I love that guy for the rest of my life, right? Mm -hmm. He took over Great Lakes Wrestling from 
from the people that were running it and turned it into NWA Great Lakes. He he did that. Um, so, but he's somebody who's wrestled in the South because he's from there, made his way to Michigan. But he's nobody you would know, right? He's a local. We know guy. Eddie Gilbert. Yes, we know Eddie Gilbert. We know uh, Paul Heyman. So they're already going to have greater uh, so we're aspirations than the guy running our bingo hall, right? <laughs> than Paul. Paul yeah. had a vision. Nobody knew Todd Gordon, who he was. He was right, just, a, right, he's right. like, to, he's Tony Khan. Todd he's Gordon, the money mark. Gene Austin. Right. right. He's Gene Austin. He's Gary Warrenchuk. He's all these guys I work for here who nobody would know who they are. He might have used people that you knew who we were, but those are guys just coming in for a grand to pop, causing these promotions to lose money because nobody's, you're, uh, Road Warrior Hawk did not draw $1,000 to our show, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. We might have drew $1,000, but it wasn't because of Road Warrior Hawk. It was because people want to see live wrestling. You know what I mean? You might have got 10 more people to come because, oh, Hawk's on it? And you know why I say that? Because nobody fucking knew Hawk was on it because they didn't advertise. So how you can bring in Hawk all you want if nobody advertises on TV or whatever. Paul Heyman advertised on TV, right? And he well, brought he, in. He promoted locally as best as he could, whatever right. they had. But for a local show. But he... He had names like Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas was somebody. Uh, Gold Scorpio was somebody. Um, I, you know, I was watching the match, and the guys walking by, I saw little Guido. I didn't know who the fuck he was before ECW, right? So he's probably mm-hmm. just a local guy over there. Um, Stevie Richards, uh, whoever else, you know, uh, those guys were local guys who just, you know, were just like me, but they were lucky enough to live near Paul Heyman and wrestle for him, which, side note, Guys here that wrestled, I, I didn't wrestle for them, but they worked with Paul Heyman. I told this before on the show. Heyman, Sabu, and Taz were always on our shows. And so was Benoit, uh, Tommy Dreamer. All those guys came over. But Paul wasn't a booker. Paul was brought in as talent. So it's different. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, I forget how you even worded the question in the first place. But 100% Paul E. was right to not have his horse connected or his cart connected to the nwa horse because that horse wasn't taking him very far if you want to be taken serious he had to be alone there was a window of opportunity because awa was gone because world class was gone and because uh i don't even think ring of honor had started yet no this is 92 so global on its last legs when it started in 92 this is east this is a eastern so there's only global no there's only uswa right Everybody, all the everybody was working to get back to the big fish. So when you was doing and, and, global, and, and, when and you was somebody knew someone was going to be that third guy on TV because there was always three guys on right. TV. So with this within the Eastern Championship Wrestling, which was located in South Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, born Reflex and Max, raised, born and raised, it is close to Stanford, Connecticut. It is close to WWF country, so to speak. TW. So every contracted wrestler who was released so to speak, can actually, you know, hop on the I-95 and stop at South Philadelphia and get a booking. So in in its inaugural event, TW, in 1992, who is the first ECW heavyweight champion, not of the world, but, you know, Eastern Championship Wrestling heavyweight champion, Jimmy Superfly Snucker. He won the inaugural tournament to become the ECW champion by defeating Salvatore Belomo, another WWE retread. Another job guy. That's what yes. I'm talking about. He, that guy probably so, had money involved in the Eastern. 
So he probably did. And that, that was the beauty of it at that time. Jimmy Snooker was an ECW champion. And I'm just going to be, I'm just going to abbreviate it, TW, if you want to talk. Once I give you a name, if you want to talk about the memory of them, so be it. Jimmy Snooker was an ECW champion. We already did a rivalries with Jimmy Snooker and Roddy Piper. So there's really nothing to say. But another former oh, ECW good for him, champion. Good for him to, to get a belt. Because there's a lot of guys in WWE, and, you know, there's a lot of them that say they didn't need a belt. Belts are props. Belts are man makes a belt. Belt doesn't make the man, blah, blah, blah. But Snooker never won. I mean, he was IC champ, wasn't he? Uh, in, no. I thought him and Morocco swapped it back and forth. No, he chased. He never won it. Oh, so see, there you go. So it's cool. That you could, I mean, obviously it's not extreme, but it's still the Oregon, Oregon, origin. It's cool that Jimmy Snuka was the heavyweight champion of something, right? Because mm-hmm. um, the guy, you know, personal shit aside, whether he did or did not kill that woman, it, it, the wrestling part of it, like, that's a good thing to see Jimmy Snuka got that accolade, you know, right. that he got to wear that belt. Again, me, whether it was a world title or not. Let, let me ask you this question, since you, you come from that kind of, you know, inv- not environment, from that kind of world, because, you know, nobody knows the Great Lakes that you wrestled in. Nobody knows right. the, I forgot the number, if you want to say the names of the wrestling organizations that pop in your head. But. Border City Wrestling. Border Border City Wrestling. You know, your accolades speak for itself. In the, in the circle that you keep. I know that you're, you know, the Border City champion, Great Lakes champion, all this stuff. You've told your stories about, you know, having the, the booking issues with the promoter when you was the heavyweight champion, that yet you, you did the business and all that stuff. But right. your totality, you know, some fans are very, like, uh, dick. They're dicks. They're pricks. Some. some. Well, you know, there's a, there's a percentage. I'm not going to go into that links. But, you know, somebody like yourself... Or like you said, with Jimmy Snooker, you know, they might remember Jimmy Snooker only from WWF. They might remember Jimmy Snooker only from AWA. And then the resume that he carries after he retires says ECW champion. And then you, everybody be like, what? Eastern? Right. That's not a title. That don't matter. It's like it's like disrespecting the, the marathon that is a, a wrestling career. You know, right. AJ Styles you know is a great... Wait, wait. You know let me just say it? this. Hold your thought. Let me just say this. AJ Styles is already going to be a, he's a TNA Hall of Famer. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. But, you know, there's a lot of indie, uh, he has a resume of indie championships that is uh, two pages long. I can't even name them all. But some people don't respect that TW. That's what I'm just trying to say. They don't respect the the journey, if I'm trying to say that. What say you, TW? I respect anybody that wore any title in ECW. And, And when I say ECW, this is what I'm saying. If someone read Eastern Championship Wrestling, Jimmy Sucker, they'd be like, whatever the fuck, on Wikipedia, right? Mm-hmm. But if they read ECW Champion, they'd be like, what the fuck? You know, like, because that, so if they do their homework, they know the heritage of the, who's the very first WWE Champion? Uh, Buddy Rogers. Buddy Rogers. Everyone knows it, right? Who's mm-hmm. the very first NWA World Champion? Damn, I can't go back. I only the, it's, the, it's the, either Luthez or somebody like that. No, right? George Hackenschmidt. Yeah, whatever. Fuck. So, but but if if you do the homework, you find out George Hackenschmidt is the very first. So if you do your homework, and you who's the last world heavyweight champion of ECW? My boy, right over there, Gore, 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 Rhino, right? The last champion other than the WWE ECW. So, mm-hmm. if you do your homework, it starts and ends with somebody. 
the ECW world title, whether it was a world title yet or not, the lineage goes back to Jimmy Superfly Snuka. So if someone's mm. insulting him, then they don't know what the fuck they're talking about because if he doesn't win that belt first and keep it around long enough to do what Shane Douglas got to do, mm. yes, Shane Douglas is the first ECW world champion, but Jimmy Snuka is the first ECW heavyweight champion, right? It's semantics, yeah. whatever, but that belt's lineage, just like the NHL Stanley Cup, the lineage goes back before the NHL. The Montreal Maroons were the first Stanley Cup winner. That was not NHL. It was mm-hmm. like six years before the NHL even starts, same trophy. So fuck the people who think that. And I know you're not one of them. You're saying people in general, and I know what you're saying. By the way, in case Scott Demore does ever listen to some shit I do, I have never been BCW Heavyweight Champion. I have been BCW Tag Team Champion and North, Amer- North Ontario Wrestling's first and only light heavyweight champion because that didn't exist until they gave it to me one night to go to the ring. But um, as far as, you know, what you're saying, I respect anybody that was any champion in ECW. I respect anybody who was any... The only championship I have a problem with with Impact Wrestling, I don't like that, whatever the fuck. The one Moose was carrying around because Tully Blanchard's daughter couldn't cross the border or whatever. I can't remember Legends champion, whatever. That belt could suck it, right? That's, to me, the 24-7 belt of Impact Wrestling. All of it. When Booker had it as the Legends champion, whatever the fuck that meant. Because the second Booker T defends it against P, P, uh, Petey Williams, it is no longer a Legends title because Petey is not a legend yet, right? He might okay. be now, but he wasn't then, right? So if this belt is only for Legends, then don't call it fucking Legends belt. If you're gonna you have a problem with with booking titles in a certain way yeah, that yes, you respect. Yes. Okay, I get and I'm it. I get still it. mad that fucking Becky two weeks in a row is fucking wrestling for the 24-7 belt. But that's that's digressing. But my point is, anyone who's won a title in Ring of Honor, and, okay, I'm going to blow your mind real quick, right? It's not going to okay. make you feel good about ECW. However, the who's who of ECW champions, the who's who of Ring of Honor champions, and the who's who of, of TNA champions, all of them, have gone on to do something in WWE, right, for the most part, or WCW, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, that makes those belts for someone's career the new Intercontinental title before they went on to do something in the world title picture of WCW, WWE, or even AEW now. It's a litmus test. It's the litmus test to get right. to the next level of the big no time, one, if you will. No, I mean, there's probably champions of Ring of Honor who I don't even know who the fuck they are. I get that. But there's mm-hmm. also... There's so fucking Jay Leno and and before he got properly trained, uh, Dewey from Scream are former world heavyweight champions of NWA. Dennis Rodman, I think, Carl Malone. So it's bullshit. There's bullshit champions everywhere. But Seth Rollins, one of the best in the game today. I just added him to my figure collection. Um, I also bought MJF and Cody Rhodes figures. But um, Seth Rollins as Tyler Black was a big part of Ring of Honor, and now he's one of the best in the world today in WWE. Um, but he's got to start somewhere. Adam Cole. He's probably going to win the AEW world title at some point, mm-hmm. but he was a Ring of, Honor, Ring of Honor champion. Oh, and also, all these guys went on to become IWGP champion or New Japan, whatever the fuck it's called over there. You didn't even... Some, I thought you were going there yeah. with AJ. AJ's been champion over there. By the way... I, I understand now why they cuss so much on elite wrestling, all elite wrestling. I The next time I see Jay Blade or whatever the hell his name is talk, and he's not dropping F-bombs and S-bombs, 
Okay. I don't know if they say it so much because they figure the Japanese don't understand what the fuck he's saying anyway. But it is not safe for radio or TV. The stuff Jay White, the Jay mm-hmm. White says. It, right. It, it, every other word was fuck. And I'm like, come on. Are you how? That's why all these juvenile delinquents like both promotions because they're like, they cuss. My mom will be mm-hmm. mad if they know I'm watching this. It's like watch us watching this porn. Yeah. I, I guess that's. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So, you know, again, like I said, it's not about you're right. I I respect people's journeys, but sometimes people don't respect the titles that people dues want. paid. I do paying your dues oh, or and even for Jimmy right Snuka. But being for Jimmy Snuka, it is not paying dues. It's actually paying respect. So he and is the inaugural. Is perfect. He's he's the inaugural Eastern Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion and another former WWF Hall of Famer. And that's Tiffany Stratton, I guess, a rookie card. So give or take. Another former WWE legend that was an ECW champion, TW, was the magnificent one, Don Morocco. And, of course, they try to recapture that war between Snuka and Don Morocco. Of course, both of them got a little pot bellies. Both of them are a little bit slower. They're both older. You can't recapture the magic. But, of course, people pay for nostalgia. So what say you about Don Morocco and Jimmy Snuka fighting, I guess, trying to give a little street cred for the ECW title back in the early 90s. What say you? It's so, in 92, I mean, they're not that old. If you're talking 02, then, yeah, it's embarrassing. But 92, Don Morocco's four years removed from being part of the Hulkamaniacs team on Survivor Series. And the Rock. Five. Don, whatever, Five 87, 88, whatever the year it was. <laughs> so he's not that damn old. He's still around today talking shit on Facebook. I think he works on a dock somewhere, some kind of union worker or whatever. Super liberal. Um, but he's good friends with Irish Mickey Doyle, who trained me. And mm-hmm. I've never gone at it with him on, the, on Mickey's page, but I've, I've thought about it. But I just leave him be. I, lo- I love you start a sentence with liberal. Once, you, once I heard liberal, <laughs> I, I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> well, I, I had to mention that because the word union and liberal go hand, hand in hand. And mm-hmm. I, I want to say... Uh, you know, I feel bad for guys like Morocco and Snooker. Well, Snooker was gone. You know, God rest his soul. Um, we talk about it all the time about the movie The Wrestler. I don't know how much money Morocco and Snooker made to save. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you know, obviously they like to party too. Everybody likes to party. I, I've certainly saved not a fucking dime from from wrestling, but I also wasn't doing it for a living, right? So. You know, you respect guys like Foley and, and Owen who put every fucking penny they made in the bank for their family and ate ramen and stayed at the fucking Motel 6 instead of the Radisson. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you I feel bad when I see guys like Morocco, which he wouldn't want you to feel bad for him. Uh, he ends up working on a dock somewhere. Hell, he might have been doing that the whole time. I just read today Fandango, whatever his real name is, Bateman. Is he, no, Bateman's CK3, EC3. Uh, but Fandango's taking a, the summer off to get a surgery, rest his knee up. But he does construction back home, and he's right. good at it. He's good mm-hmm. at it. God, God bless him. So, you know, I just I met a, a young band. They opened up for a band that I've been watching for 30 years. They opened up, and I talked to them. I met their parents, and I whispered in this kid's ear because he had it. He had it. I knew it. He's a little young guitar player, maybe 18, 19 years old. I whispered in his ear something I wish someone would have whispered in mine. Unfortunately, I didn't have this advice. Someone else gave me other advice. But I'm going to tell you the same thing, Professor. It's too late for us. We're old. But any young person listening to this, do not have a backup plan. When you have a backup plan, that means you have a plan to fail. And 
go for broke. I told that kid, hey, man, you're 18, you live with your parents. You know, at 25, if the shit ain't happening for you, fuck, start working on the dock. But if, if you want this. Go balls to the wall for your dreams. Purpose, perfect example. Me and Rhino went to the same school. Rhino lived on a fucking boat in Canada, illegally, outside of LaSalle, Ontario, so he could get to our school because he couldn't afford the fucking the border fee to come across. And look where he is. I lived with my parents. I was 25 years old. I had a day job, and I would never jeopardize that day job because I had a car payment. And I had car insurance. I had responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. But Edge and Christian would ask me all the time, Give us a tape. Give us a tape. We're going to get you booked in Winnipeg. We're going to get you booked in Nova Scotia. They, they wanted me to come with them to all those places, and I wouldn't do it for two reasons. The fucking job it. I just mentioned and the mm-hmm. fucking girlfriend that's no longer in my life and hasn't been 25 fucking years. So my advice to people out there listening, if that is what you want to do for your living, your life, do it. Don't fucking mm-hmm. care about it. I mean, don't shit on people. Don't be an asshole. But you know what? You got a girlfriend. She's going to wait for you. If it's meant to be, she'll still be there. If not, oh well, bye. My fear was always I'd go wrestle with those guys for two weeks up in the fucking middle of nowhere, Winnipeg, and come back to an ex-girlfriend. So here I am now fucking fixing furniture. Hey, every, everybody's path is different. So, I, again, I guess when I you're talking about – I like yeah. how my life turned out. But yeah. Who knows what it would have been otherwise. With it, but then within respect to Jimmy Snuka and Don Morocco being those two early ECW champions, you know, Don Morocco's, you know, I would say Don Morocco, not Jimmy Snuka, because Jimmy Snuka, there was more issues with him. But Don Morocco took took advantage of the Hulkamania train. He got paid. He got the Intercontinental money. He had he was he was main eventing Madison Square Garden a couple of times here and there. So I'm sure he saved his money. And I know today. He does this podcast. So, uh, again, people listen to Don Morocco speak, or he's a guest on somebody's podcast, but neither here nor there. So, another EC to Mickey's Mickey's on that. Mickey's on that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, Another former WWE legend that gives credence to the ECW title, TW, and I think we we talked about this during the spotlight that I enlightened you, was Chico Santana, who defeated Don Morocco during one of these live events. So, again, you know, how, how do I say this without sounding disrespectful? Uh, but this is going, these guys, they they had the highest of highs being on WWF TV, being on Saturday Night's Main Event, being on WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and all that stuff, TW. And now you're fighting in front of 500 people. You're going on your way down. There's a, you said, you talked about this, you know, be be uh, humble to the guys on your on way, way down up. because you might meet them again or something like no, that. No, no, on your way up because you're going to okay. cross faster them on your way down. Right. Th- that's the thing. So, you know, I'm not, again, to me as a fan, these are, they're legitimizing the ECW name. They're legitimizing that relationship between NWA and Eastern Championship Wrestling. So I could take the belt seriously as a regional uh, right. Eastern Eastern League title. So what say you, TW, about Tito being you, a champion? You just, you just told me a title lineage that has Snuka, Morocco, and Tito. Anybody, and then fucking in 92. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, didn't Tito wrestle at WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels in 92? Yeah. yeah. He won his title, he won his title in 93. Right. So he mm-hmm. just was at a WrestleMania, and now he's wrestling for this belt. That's that can do nothing. Listen to me. 
in the 80s, in territories, a guy like fucking rock and roll Buck Zumhoff could be a star in AWA while feeding his family doing jobs for WWF, right? Mm -hmm. That's an extreme example because of the fact that he was in AWA. But that same guy has a hometown where he's the fucking star. He's the hero. Mm-hmm. Because everyone knows him from TV, and they don't, and they're like, "Fuck, he he's just close to winning on Saturday morning, but he kicks ass on Friday nights in Wichita, motherfucker." And they don't know; they just think, you know, he's good locally. He just chokes under the fucking big lights of the WWF because they don't realize it's a work yet. He, he was choking on something else, but that that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but again, like I said, to me, it legitimizes it. Like you said, it legitimizes ECW. Not, not, not again like a, a territory that can compete with WWF. I'm not saying that. Or compete with WCW. But at least regionally, for Philadelphia-wise, oh, for a wrestler, let's say. I know maybe you didn't hear the buzz of ECW, but Taz, Taz said it on a, on, a, on a documentary. I just wanted to be booked. And once I found my way to South Philadelphia, born and raised, born and raised. he was there until 2000 when WWE called him, and then he he debuted in the Royal Rumble at, at, in 2000 against Kurt Angle, but I don't want to jump the gun here. Now let's move on a little bit here, because now, again, the relationship between NWA and ECW fizzled, as you talked about, with the franchise Shane Douglas winning the NWA World Heavyweight title tournament against Tuco Scorpio, cutting the most scathing promo of a belt, of an organization, and igniting, as he said, the, the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling when he deemed it the Extreme Championship Wrestling World Heavyweight title. So, T.W., let's talk about Shane Douglas because you follow Shane Douglas's career from the UWF days. He had a, he had a nice 1990 stint in his pink trunks in the WWF. We don't have to talk about the dynamic dude, Shane Douglas, but Shane Douglas has paid his dues. And, of course, for ECW purposes, the franchise Shane Douglas was perfect because he was, well, he was legit pissed off at the booking in WCW. He was legit pissed off at Ric Flair for, quote-unquote, holding him down and not letting him get that opportunity to main event and and do all that stuff, TW. So he was the perfect young guy, I'm going to quote again, to carry this new organization, this young, thriving, well, I don't want to call it thriving, but new, young, hungry organization on his back to to like you know knock down the doors of the you know of normalities of the wwf and wcw that those are the only two in town and ecw could be a viable alternative the viable third alternative to for wrestlers to make it in this industry what say you about the franchise shane douglas he's perfect because right around now you've already had rick flair as your your quintessential prototype champion for nwa and right mm-hmm. now 92 is when brett takes the belt from flair and you already had macho for a little bit but now that title in wwf is a brett a sean an austin you know rocks a little bit bigger than those guys but you know what i mean like it's Shane going smaller the world it's champion smaller and athletic sense yeah because the mm-hmm. other world champions were his peers if you will we were done with the diesels and the fuck well not diesel hadn't started yet but you know what i mean the size mm-hmm. of guys like Hogan and Sid and fucking Stud and Bundy and, and all those guys, not Sid. Yeah, Sid, yeah. All those guys are kind of fucking dinosauring out, and now it's turning into, like Shane says, a sport. I want to I I knock the wait, belt. Wait. He said the I belt wanna, was pretty. Hold on, T.W. I want to half disagree with you. I just think 
for the Brett and the Shawns, it was experimenting for Vince McMahon because he had to go that route. But he still loved the big guys. You can't Absolutely. deny that. He still the does today. Right. So I just wanted to say that. But go ahead, T.W. Go finish your no, diatribe. But, but I'm saying the landscape, whether Vince liked it or not, your champions were Brett and Sean size, which mm-hmm. is Shane okay. Douglas. Right. Now, like I said, when we did our Jake the Snake one, Jake the Snake in the ring with Hulk Hogan, he's not that much fucking smaller. He's not muscular. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Brett Hart in the ring with The Undertaker, he's not that much shorter. He just not as fucking large, but they almost had the same build, just like grown, like shrinky dink to fucking frosted shred of wheat. But they're right. they're they both look like af- athletes, and you're not like even like when you can have Rey Mysterio ECW take on Kevin Nash. If all he's gonna do is get tossed around and get his ass beat, then yeah, then we're never ever gonna have a fucking five star match between a little guy and a big guy. But mm-hmm. then you have Shawn Mike or before this Shawn Waltman. And Razor Ramon, Sean and Brett, Sean Waltman, that is. I don't know why I'm calling that, because he had fucking 72 names. X-Pac, 123Kid, whatever. When a guy like Brett gives fucking 123Kid offense, it's a great fucking match. And and I, I'm pretty sure Ray, at some point, had competitive matches with Kevin Nash. Not like Brett versus Sean, but mm-hmm. where he got some shit in. Where it wasn't right. just a, a fluke or whatever. But... but Anyways, Shane Douglas and then Two Cold Scorpio. Uh, I, by the way, supreme, even by me, because I'm watching this match, and I'm like, this fucking guy's way better than I remember. Like, I remembered him more for the, no pun intended, the flash, you know, the dancing and the flips and all that. But the motherfucker could go on the mat. He could of fucking. Two Cold Scorpio, and it, like I said, my one time I meet him. Absolutely tremendous experience. He was not an asshole. He was cool. He was honest. He he was. A, but I watched. I'm like, man, this 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 another guy who again, I don't blame Vince. I don't blame Bischoff or whoever's running it at the time, uh, Jim Hurd or whatever, Ric Flair. It just wasn't a small man's business yet. And those guys were they're ahead of their time. That's all there is. I think if the 1992 Two Cold Scorpio that wrestled Shane Douglas in this match. Is that same size? Technically, this was '94. I'm just giving you the, okay, the right 94. year. I'm, okay, mm-hmm. if if he's like that in '94, before Flash Funk, before all the dancing and shit he did in WCW, if he's that guy in '96, '97, that guy's wrestling instead of entertaining, if you will, because he was that fucking good. And right. and, and, I, and I don't know why I saw past it because I. But that's the but same thing. Him. But TW, that's the same thing that that Shane Douglas had his gripes about because he didn't get that, you know, you know he didn't get that chance yeah. to uh, to he didn't get the opportunity to grab to grab that brass ring as Vince McMahon so eloquently says. So ECW is that viable third option, and he knew he had to do something. Not only he's the he's the first legitimate extreme championship wrestling world heavyweight champion, as you eloquently said, but. I'm not going to say that he's the, he has the best reign because, again, if we go by days, it's a little bit different in the 90s because some people just held it for a year. Maybe you held it for six months and all that stuff. So how do you rate a great champion in the 90s, Reflection Ice, in my opinion, is the impact that that person makes. And, it, and when Shane Douglas did the promo, you already heard the promo. It's scathing. He did what he did to, to dismantle NWA. He ethered the NWA 
into non-existence for a couple of years before they, you know, Core Loser had to rebound somewhere else. But it wasn't with ECW. But Shane Douglas did that. Shane Douglas called out Ric Flair. And you always said that, you know, you have a little bit of a problem with somebody else calls out somebody else. But, or, or another well, organization. But, that one is, that one is real. I, I don't like Petty. Well, he, like he Petty, was real right? pissed at Ric right. Flair. But, he used the, the little platform, and I'm going to say it's little, but everybody in the wrestling world that mattered, the Bischoff, Shot heard the, around Flair, the, world. the Flairs, uh, the McMahons, heard what Shane Douglas was talking about. And that, and that little organization that was called Eastern Championship Wrestling, that was from South Philadelphia, was More making noise. a lot, was making more, more noise than ever before because of Shane Douglas. And again, you grew up watching Shane Douglas Troy Orndorff. Talk about the maturation of the Shane Douglas you saw in the 80s to what you saw at least in this little match that you had with Two Cold Scorpio that I showed you. you. You know what's awesome about him is just watch him in EWF. He's not there long before NWA absolves him, you know, but mm-hmm. he is an 80s fucking young white meat baby face wrestler. That's what he is. He's that when he's for his cup of coffee and the pink tights in the WWF, right? Mm-hmm. But then watch him in ECW. He is the 90s wrestler. Like, he is. There's no one else that's going to be better. Like, like again, you can always say, there might be someone as good, but there's no one better at being a 90s wrestler than Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas talked shit like Ric Flair. He wrestled like Bret Hart. He bumped like Shawn Michaels. The guy had everything. So mm-hmm. it, you can't knock him. And, I, you know, if uh, there's a bit of an entitlement matter here because he's so young when he's mad about Ric Flair not giving him his break and he's a lot smaller like when when the him and Johnny Ace were fucking dudes with fucking skateboards they weren't very big and and by the way they were all everyone always talks about who the next Hulk Hogan's gonna be well guess mm-hmm. what the fucking tag team version of that was everyone wanted the next Rock and Roll Express because the Rock and right. Roll Express put asses in seats like Hogan did they just did it down south right the Rockers, mm-hmm. which is, wasn't even Vince's creation. The Rockers were a fucking attempt at being an ex-Rock and Roll Express. The fucking Midnight Express was probably an attempt at fucking being an ex-Rock and Roll Express. The Fantastics. All, the Fantastics. The fucking um, the White Lightning or whatever the fuck. Lightning Express. All of it was trying to be two pretty boy fucking dudes. And in, in the Rock and Roll Express's day, it was the fucking dressing like Motley Crue and that kind of shit. And these mm-hmm. two dudes with attitudes, they're out in the 90s. That's not what they were called. They were called, they were called dudes with attitudes. Sting and Luger were two dudes with attitudes. But anyway, they I were, what you're saying. that was the new thing with skateboarding and hot pink and all that shit. They mm-hmm. were your ni- late 80s, 90s attempt at Rock and Roll Express. And and so Shane Douglas had an opportunity. He had windows. He just he wanted to be the man, I think, too soon. I want to say he was 17 years old when he was in that UWF. If he wasn't 17, he was 18. Okay. And and he was young as fuck. And, and and I think if he could go back, I watched a lot of shoot interviews with him lately. He seems to not take credit for stuff that he did wrong, uh, more so than he does. But uh, but it, he's very open. He's very honest for the most part. Um, but he, I think he would tell you it, it benefited him to have Ric Flair. I hope him and Ric Flair are on better terms now. And I think I've read that they are. But uh, I, I think... That lit a fire in him that wasn't going to be lit otherwise. He would have got complacent a lot earlier in life. And so, like you were saying, he he did what he did. Yeah, he, 
he he was Paul's Hogan, if you will, to get the ball up and running. But mm-hmm. while everyone's trying to be that third guy on TV once AWA went away, guess what? The wrestlers were trying to be the fucking man on that third TV, and Shane took it. Right. Like, you couldn't hear about ECW in the beginning, the extreme version, without hearing Shane Douglas. It, it, and then Tommy Dreamer and Taz and Raven and all that came along. But it was fucking Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas. Every time I heard anything about ECW, Shane Douglas. And then all the fucking violence and shit started. So I was going to ask you earlier, did Eastern Championship Wrestling, did they do a lot of that hardcore shit? There was a mixture. It, but it almost it felt like to me, if, if you watch that match and you listen to the commentary, obviously we knew what was coming. You could almost tell it was coming if, in hindsight no, if you listen it, to the commentating. And the fact that everyone was surrounded the ring, like you, it was like, okay, they're, they're getting ready in case there's some kind of retribution coming for fucking throwing this belt down, right? The, the, pe- the people that you didn't know that didn't have a reputation did the violent stuff. The people like Snuka and Morocco – that were coming in, nah, they didn't really do that. Right. They kind of did it lightly, give or take. But the reason I bring it up is you almost get a feeling that they knew their audience liked that shit. And so when they changed it's it from Eastern to extreme, mm-hmm. they knew they were embracing that part. Because once they did, right. your top guy, like one of the matches you had me watch was Sandman and, and uh, Raven. Well, they're beating the shit out of each other all over that building, right? Mm-hmm. And the crowd's going bananas for it. Uh, the last match you had me watch, Carino versus uh, PJ versus Sandman, which I'm still confused how the fuck. I, I don't. A, I didn't know Carino was Canadian. B, Sandman asked a question I still have right now. How are these two wrestling for belt that neither one of them are wearing? I don't know. Tell me, Sandman. I don't know. And then when the match ends, still champion Carino. I'm like, I'm really lost. I'm like, why does Sandman have the belt if Carino's it, the champion? It's more semantics. I'll I'll try to explain all that. But since you mentioned one of those names, at least I want to acknowledge that heavyweight champion, the Sandman. Now, TW, this man, Sandman was there from the inception of the eastern part of ECW. And his first look was a dynamic dude on crack because he carried a surfboard. He was wearing the Wave Runner stuff. He looked really stupid. Then he put on some uh, trailer park je- uh, uh, trousers. He put on a white T-shirt, brought a six-pack, drank some beer, had a Singapore cane, and the rest is history. He's multiple-time ECW champion. You know, Sandman, certain people are perfect for certain organizations, and the Sandman was perfect for extreme championship wrestling. Now, again... I'm gonna. I, I said this to you, TW. I'm gonna say it again, and I'll keep saying it again. I, East Extreme Championship Wrestling saved wrestling in the '90s because WWE and WCW used a lot of their stuff, a lot of their stuff in their presentation to accentuate and make their platforms even more better. I don't need to get into that. But a good example of Stone Cold Steve Austin drinking a beer and throwing it around, simply enough. Started with the Sandman. I'm not saying that Sam, you know, he's not the man that invented drinking beer, but for the 90s purposes, T.W., he was kind of like the known factor in in wrestling, that he was the guy, whether it was a can of Budweiser or a bottle of Budweiser, he was drinking a beer before he started a match. He drank a beer during the match and drank a beer after the match was over, and he was bleeding his ass off. 
So he found a niche in ECW with a character that, like you said, when it went extreme, everybody gravitated towards. What say you about the maturation of Sandman, knowing the audience he's working for? I can tell you this. Every indie promotion, everyone has a Sandman. Every mm-hmm. fucking one of them. There's that guy in the back who fucking smoking, drinking, ain't got no fucking gear, mm-hmm. and it comes out to the ring, and it's fucking over like gangbusters. And you're just like, what the fuck? And then you realize it has something to do with being a hometown guy, right? Like, people know him. He probably fucking got 50 people to come to a show, and everything's contagious. Once those 50 people cheered for him, the other people are like, oh, I'm going to cheer for him. Plus, he did the crazy shit. And everyone got on there. But he sustained it, whatever the reason. I'm not knocking him. And mm-hmm. I liked that you just told me he had a surfboard and fucking wetsuit. So at least he was smart enough to know, oh, this shit ain't working. Let me try this. And and he did that, and it worked. I have to humbly disagree with you. I've heard it from many people many times. There's a huge difference between Austin and fucking Sandman. No, and, no, I'm talking about the beer. That's all I'm talking right, about. Just, just right. the beer. But I, not the attitude and not the character, just the beer. But I can tell you, when they decided to let Austin drink that beer in the ring, nobody went, hey, let, let's have him do that Sandman shit. reason he drank that beer in the ring is, and I know from personal experience in Lima, Ohio, Stone Cold Steve Austin can drink fucking beer three at a time. It, he, I used to bring D'Lo Brown cases of Triple X, and Austin would drink them motherfuckers six and 20 minutes. And another guy I can drink like that is Kurt Angle. I've seen him do it. But that was mm-hmm. later on in his life. But the point is, when Austin was doing it, everyone was just being themselves. Steve Austin drinking beer was being himself and mm-hmm. and drinking many of them, like just and just doing it. So yes, there's a similarity to it. I want to say at some point that Austin and Sandman clank a beer in the ring together, and Austin probably gave him a and stunner at the one night stand. But what an awesome fucking moment right there, because like. I, I I can see where someone's saying, oh, so he didn't, because they don't look alike. He's not wearing jeans and beating the fuck out of someone with a kendo stick. I, he's, no, I never, he's basically, like I and, and, a, and a huge difference between the two, and this is, sorry, Sandman, I don't, I, it's Steve Austin has charisma, Sandman does not. Sandman's character got over, Steve Austin's person got over. You know what I mean? The difference. I, I got you. And, and they both happen to drink beer. And and, mm-hmm. and I like Sandman. And I think every promotion should have a guy like that. Because every town should have a hometown favorite. Every town should have a, a fucking crazy dude that everyone thinks, holy shit, what's he going to do next? That's what keeps people coming back. And like I said, every indie promotion has a Sandman in some way, shape, or form. And 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 the thing about him is, is he actually made a career out of it. A lot of these guys I'm talking about, you'll never, ever fucking hear of. Ever. Because right. you, you yeah. had no business being there. You know who the first like, Sandman like, I ever came across was? Who? I, I wrestled my very first match in the United States. Sweet Daddy Malcolm Monroe, God rest his soul. He booked me at Rico. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching all these matches. And I watch these two fucking guys go out called Hector Hatchet, Sue Adwella, And I'm like, this fucking town is going bananas for these fucking guys. <laughs> and I'm looking at them going, these who are motherfuckers. They? We would put them in lockers in high school, right? They were nothing. Like, the dudes are getting high behind the garbage. They were signing Bob and Jay, basically. But Hector mm-hmm. Hatchett is just big motherfucker. And he goes out there. He doesn't wrestle for shit. But you know what I said to myself? I want to wrestle that guy. Because he was the most popular guy in the building that night. And I knew if I wrestled that guy as a bad guy, 
they were. I was going to end up being the most hated fucking wrestler. I couldn't wrestle him, get squashed. And, I would wrestle him. A bigger payday, right? That's, a bigger guess payday. Who they were. Oh, I ended up making who? money there. That's where Los Rudos was born. But right. guess who Hector Hatchet and the Suedzwella are? I don't know. ICP. Who. Oh, really? Yes, they were ICP. And then they wrestled as Hector Hatchet and Suedzwella. So that when they ended up in WCW, did like, they have the, the Did they have the makeup? No, as, they oh. completely fucking unconnected. People knew. And mm-hmm. Mickey Doyle said to me one day, I go, dude, we were driving to training one day. I go, Mickey, I want to wrestle this Hector Hatchet guy. I go, I don't get it. Fucking guy can't work a lick. I said, but they fucking love them. He goes, tell me, you know who that is? And I'm like, nope. And Mickey used to make me listen to the Ringmaster tape on the way over. Mickey's 45 years old. I'm 20. And he's making me listen to fucking rap music because it was, he goes, this is Hector Hatchet's shit. And then I play, he played chicken hunting for me. You know the song chicken hunting? I think I've heard it. Who's going chicken hunting? We's going chicken hunting. Who's going? And then chicken pot pie. But anyways, oh. I'm like, Mickey, I want to wrestle that guy. But then right after that, they got fucking, their band broke and they became a huge band. But when they were in WCW and everybody's talking shit, oh, they got these fucking rapping clowns in there. I'm like, motherfucker, they've been wrestling for fucking 10 years. Like, they wrestled they, and rapped. They they're, they're fans. Jericho. Yeah, they're legit fans. wrestling fans. So I've not, I've never knocked ICP. I figured out what they did. Because every time I did a show with them, they always wrestled the same two guys. They were their students. Mm-hmm. Professor, when I tell you they fucking killed these guys, they killed them. These motherfuckers <laughs> took pile drivers with their head hit before the fucking Hector had your ass. Just mm-hmm. killed each guys, and they and they did it every show. And I'm like, all right. Once Los Rudos blew up, I'm like, I don't need to wrestle those guys. I'm good. But then, like I said, right. they made they made it in the music business. They're in a small world. Shit. My buddy Dennis in L.A., one of my best friends. I brought him to wrestling school. He almost signed with ICP's record label, like full circle shit. Cool. Well, again, let me reiterate, T.W. It was more the presentation of the beer because, again. The ECW, the extreme platform, as small as it was, made noise in the wrestling world that it allowed Stone Cold Steve Austin to say, "I'm gonna bring a, I'm gonna drink a case of beer, and get over with it." And he did. I'm never gonna knock that. And more people probably knew that from him doing it than the Sandman because of the visibility. I'm not right. knocking that. But again, being that hardcore, like you said, if you do your homework. You know where you saw it first, and that was a little that was ECW. So let's talk about another ECW heavyweight champion during this time. And you said you saw the match. Well, he was a former heavyweight champion. You we've had we talked about him during the Portland uh, PWR episode. We talk about Scotty the Body. We talk about uh, Johnny Polo. But he he found a niche with a dark character. He found a niche. You know, this was Jake the Snake Roberts 2.0 on on 10, you could say. He went to the realms of darkness that no one expected to go. But again, with the 90s TW and grunge music with Nirvana, Pearl Jam, he, he fit the times for this character. And that is the Raven character. And he was, again, I think two or three-time ECW heavyweight champion. He had wars against Tommy Dreamer. Of course, the, we might have to do a rivalries because I haven't done the rivalries edition of Tommy Dreamer and Raven. That would probably be a five-hour show. I'd be happy to do it. But neither here nor there. He had wars with the Sandman. He had wars with a lot of people. Steve Carino, Terry Funk, and all that stuff. So 
TW, put a bow on what what have you what have we not said about Raven? The man, the maturation by this time, he's got a character, he's got the charisma, he's got people invested in him. And it's not like and being the bad guy here, TW, again, this is where being bad was the cool factor bad. So you did not pay to see him get his ass kicked. You pay you want because you was interested the in even where flow. he was. That even you was paying to see where what he was gonna do next, how he was gonna shock you, how he was gonna awe you, how he was gonna like, how he was gonna take one of your heroes and make his life a living hell. I was more interested in that, not him getting his ass kicked. What say you about the Raven character? I was never a big Raven fan, but I was also not too familiar with him. I would like to believe the ECW Raven is a better version than the WCW one. Um, Absolutely, 100%. Because the WCW one, he was like the stable leader, a sick boy, and fucking Lodi, which is Idol, Billy Idol, spelled backwards because the guy looked like Billy Idol. Um, but I I don't know if I ever said this all the times we have talked about him. And he was Johnny Hotbody Paradise, or whatever the fuck he was, Scotty Paradise, I don't know what the fuck his name was. I was a fan. That was the kind of guy that I wanted to be, right? Like, remember Chris Champion? Mm-hmm. Remember, he was he teamed with that other guy, and they were from the future. The blade, they weren't the Blade Runners or something. Anyway, those kind of guys, those were guys that I liked. Like they were young, they were colorful, whatever. And I remember when he became Johnny Polo, I was like, "What the fuck, man!" I was mad. You know what I mean? Like I'm still not. I hope Eli Drake wrestles as fucking Max Dupree, but I, I just it's like, come on, man! I don't want to see him on TV talking. I like to see him go over, you know, whatever. But all the stuff since doing the show with you, watching him on on um, on ECW, he, he he did it good. He did it well. But that wasn't the type of heel that I was drawn to. I was drawn to the cocky. He like even though Rick Rude and Mister Perfect were bad guys, those were the guys that Raven didn't like. Those are the guys putting him in the locker that were the quarterback in high school, that were the the popular mm-hmm. jock. You know what I mean? And right. and those are the guys that I liked because they were winners, if you will. And and Raven was a loser who became a winner, if you will. And right. and so I, I, I think if I would have watched ECW as it happened, especially if I wasn't trying to wrestle myself, I probably would have been a huge Raven fan because he was cool. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it's, it's so weird to go from that Portland show to that, you know. But I always it, did feel like he was bitter. And, you know, it's... A lot of people, I, I, I get people who aren't happy just to be there, right? I was a mm-hmm. huge Tony Storm fan. I no longer give a fuck about her. Um, I, I never was an Ember Moon fan, but when you're trying to rewrite history and you're trying to make it like you always wanted to be to AEW, like you didn't get released, that you fucking wanted to go, it's like, it looks pathetic. You know what I mean? And I, I still think, and you will never convince me otherwise, and I hope I don't get proven right Jeff Hardy style, I think Tony Storm has some kind of drug issue or, or drinking issue or whatever. I don't and know any about, and that's, about that. But, but I don't like people who don't know what they have, right? And they'll say, biting the hand that feeds you. Yeah, we all we all want to be Hulk Hogan. But, the, you know, I always bring up AEW. CM Punk said it so fucking well the other day that I wish I was standing next to him and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. I think I talked about it to you guys, you and Ray. If not, it was with Jeff and Chris, my other wrestling buddies I talked to. He said in that post-conference where he won the belt, we have so many guys right now. It's so hard because we can't give everybody everything, but we're trying. Mm-hmm. Duh. 
That's what it was like in the WWF when you were there, and they were giving you the belt, and you were mad about things, right? It's like, stop. Just just be happy. I, again, I, I know I, I respect people who aren't happy just being there, but, like, for me, I grew up wanting to become a professional wrestler when I got older. I had dreams of being the world champion and driving back in my hometown in a Corvette, but I lived my dream. It didn't require me to be the WWF heavyweight champion because if that's your fucking dream, good fucking luck because that's making it even harder on you than just doing it in the first place, right? And I didn't set my dream low because I worked for Vince McMahon one fucking time. I was in a WCW pay-per-view locker room one time. They're both good enough for me. I, 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 other than that, you lived you, you live part of the dream. You live part of the I, dream. I lived my dream. I signed an autograph at Tiger Stadium when I did not wrestle. Someone recognized me at the fucking Detroit Tigers baseball stadium and had me sign their fucking hat. By the way, probably a year or two younger than me, and everyone watched and then wondered who the fuck I was. That was cool. It was cool getting noticed at a fucking autograph session that fucking Jimmy Snooker was probably there signing for. Granted, yes, that's a wrestling audience, but someone wrestled. They recognized me there when they're coming mm-hmm. to pay money to see Jimmy Snooker. So I lived my dream. My dream... You know, and if I would have signed with WWE now, what I would have been more like, who's the guy that just I uh, just was, uh, I, I Simon, know, Simon, I, Simon I know where you go. I know where you, I know where you, I know where you're going with this. Let me just let me just kind of reverse it back to Raven because I'm again, about Raven. He's no, 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 he's not bitter. He's not bitter in that sense. It's the gimmick. The, he's living the gimmick here. Now the bitter part, I could go with you maybe when he. When you have the Raven character in WCW, when you have the Raven character in WWE, and he feels that you're not giving him the the opportunity to enhance that character in the yeah. highest of highs, in the highest of platforms, there's bitterness there because he feels that you're fucking with my character that I've created from the ground up. I know what I'm doing with this character, and everybody has that creative license. Like, if you had Los Frutos in the WWE, and Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard say, says, we're a, a, a sombrero, and, and all these stereotypical shit that you're like, that's not what Los Frutos is about. Right. You right, will right. feel, not bitter, but you'll have some kind of way, like, you're fucking with my character. I know what Los Frutos can do for you. I know that Los Frutos can make money. And again, for Tony Storm and Ember Moon, they feel, you know, you could call it bitterness. I, I get you, and I understand not, where not, you're coming not, from. Not, I, but everybody that feels bitter, that way when saying, they don't. taking shots at people. Of course. Who, Tony Storm, you fucking walked out on them. You did, they didn't fire you. You And then they said, bye, bitch. That's probably why yeah. she's embarrassed is because they're like, go. They don't give a fuck. And, but and, now and, every interview she does now, she has to talk about how bad it was there. Now right. it might be a little worse for her because the girl's from Australia, so it's probably twice as hard to be here and be fucking miserable. But why were you miserable? You're living your fucking dream, and if you didn't wrestle that night, you still got fed and catering and all that. That's the stuff that like. But here's now, now let me now you just did your aspect. I I agree, and I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna be more like Stone Cold Steve Austin as the ringmaster because we all know how he felt about that. I'm going to take my ass out there with the sombrero. I'm going to take my ass out there with the maracas, and I'm going to do all that shit, right? But you know what mm-hmm. I'm going to do? My fucking best. That's what I'm going to do. If this is what the fuck they're giving me, Tommy Wonder's about to make some lemonades out of this lemon. And if I fail, 
I'm going to say, hey, motherfucker, you gave me sombreros and fucking Moroccans. What do you want me to do? I need hubcaps and motherfucking license plates. Right. That's, what, that's what the fuck we beat people up with in the indie shit. Not these fucking Marachas and fucking mariachi bands, but whatever the fuck. Terry Taylor, I bet you if he could go back and fucking give more to that Red Rooster character, the motherfucker would, right? But he's made his career. He just ain't made the money he would have made otherwise. But now, let me give you this perspective. Your Raven... You just went on TV. You just won the hardcore title for the fucking 75th time, just like Stevie Richards. Just like, mm-hmm. oh, like they created that belt for those fucking ECW guys. It's so blatant. I didn't like it either. Right, but, but they created it for those guys because Vince didn't get it. He probably never watched a lick of ECW, right? Mm-hmm. But the point is, you're in the locker room. You're the professor. You still haven't debuted yet. They've given you seven different names. You're sitting in the back. You're eating fucking catering. You're watching Raven on TV. You probably laugh a couple times because you were entertained by it. Then he comes in the back after you watched him for the fucking 17th week in a row from catering. He comes in the back and goes, man, fuck this place. I want out of here, these motherfuckers. And now you're left to sit there and go, fuck you, motherfucker. Let me go out. I'll go out there and be the fucking hardcore champion because all you want is some TV time so that people can see you so you can try to get your ass over. Raven's already over. So Mm -hmm. to come back there and bitch in front of the fucking 12 guys who can't even get out of the fucking curtain, that's the shit I'm talking about. Tony Storm was wrestling for the world heavyweight title the week she fucking left, and she's bitching about how they're using her. That's why... This business is what it is today. It used to be you are a mark for the business. Now these motherfuckers are marks for themselves. It's pathetic. I haven't read what RVD had to say, but I'm sure I'm going to agree with it 100%. He's talking to Jeff, my buddy that's at Impact now. When I got to a building, I shook everybody's hand hello. I shook everybody's hand before I left. That's how it was. It was with fucking spec. Now? These motherfuckers don't even look at people they don't even know. They're too busy playing video games in the corner. Everybody gives a you, fuck about themselves. The, the, new, the new normal now, TW, is what is your uh, gamer name? So this way I can, uh, hook, you know, I can link up with you on, on the PSP. But, you know, let's go on with another ECW alumnus who was a heavyweight champion of the world. And I have to give credence to this man, living legend himself. He was a, a former NWA heavyweight champion, and he's a former two-time ECW World Heavyweight Champion, and that is the man from Amarillo, Texas, TW, Terry Funk. Now, Terry Funk legitimized, again, another guy that legitimizes being the ECW Heavyweight Champion, just like Snuka did, just like Santana did, just like Morocco did. But, you know, with all the documentaries that I've seen, with all the kayfabe interviews, Paul Heyman puts Terry Funk over so much because he always said this, Terry Funk wanted the next generation to be ready for the business. He wanted to get them over. He, you, like you said, mark for the business. Terry Funk was a mark for the business because he was smart enough to say, I got to get franchise over. I got to get the Sandman over. I got to get Tommy Dreamer over. I got to get Taz over. I got to get Steve Carino over. He wanted to get the guys who are getting into their prime to be the next guys. What say you about Terry Funk? And, and here's the thing. It benefits Terry for them to get over. Otherwise, his victories over them mean nothing. And his losses to them means he's fucking nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to get everybody over so that you can do the job and return the favor down the road. They do the job. And everybody is fucking level. Everybody's a star. Anybody can win at any time. Uh, but if you don't do that, like, what's the point? 
Now you just Terry Funk down there beating up a bunch of nobodies. And I dare you to fucking lose to one of them. Because now you're going to look like, okay, now I know why you're in Eastern Championship Wrestling and not fucking WWE. And it's like, you got to love Terry Funk, right? And it's weird because there's so many young guys who fucking are 40 now who mm-hmm. bitch about the Bret Hart. I mean, there's a lot that love Bret Hart. I'm not picking on Bret. Bret's my guy, right? But they're okay. picking on the Undertaker for saying, yeah, these fuckers playing video games in the locker room is weird to me. Rather than saying, hey, he's from a different era, they get offended and then want to talk shit about the Undertaker. And, like, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard CM Punk say, and, and he said some dumb fucking shit. Oh, Him like- talking about wrestler's court being the biggest white man, small dick shit he's ever seen. First of all, get off your fucking soapbox and your fucking pre- your pandering your high why does it, be, why does it to be white man small dick? Because I got news for you. Ron Simmons was in that fucking court. Fucking Rikishi's in that court. Roman Reigns has probably been in that court. He's part of he's the transition. Well, I don't, I don't think they do wrestlers court anymore with the corporate no. structure. So No, they don't because it's a form of hazing. But CM Punk will never, ever know what it's like to be one of the boys because he's never fucking tried to be. That's that my My dislike of him goes all the way back. To before mm-hmm. CM Punk, anybody even knew who the fuck he was. He's one of those dudes coming in from out of town, doesn't have any, he he just wants to know who he's wrestling, doesn't care about the rest of the fucking boys. When everybody else in there is like, hey, motherfucker, everybody knows everybody, and you got these three fuckers sitting in the corner by themselves. Well, fuck you then. Fuck right. you then. Like, half, I think I told you this before, half of my career towards the end of it, I didn't even give a fuck about wrestling. I just wanted to go hang out at the bar afterwards with the boys every every time. That was, that was what got me out of bed and to the show was that, all right, well, we're all going to go to the fucking Mirage after and have a good time. I just wanted to be with my friends, and and then I'd go out and wrestle. I didn't phone it in. I'd still try to have the best match, but it, I could tell that my Your priorities were a little bit different. Yeah. Changed. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The love of the business was different for you for that time. And, again, for Terry Funk, the love of the business superseded his health superseded right. his body because he sacrificed a lot and you know right now he i think he has some hip problems or whatever but of good again he's old he's 70 years old he's old age and crazy he still wants to do a, a moonsault off the top rope you know at 70 years old so you know god bless him but don't do it terry please don't do it but anyway tw let's put a ball on terry funk and the the not only the accomplishment but the contribution to what he did for ecw because if it wasn't for someone like Terry Funk, because the platform was big enough, like you said, for Shane Douglas to make noise, but the platform was big enough for people to take it seriously because of somebody like Terry Funk, who was the ECW heavyweight champion. And I can say, oh, okay, that's, he made, that's the he guy. He made Mick Foley. Yeah. He made Mick Foley. He made a lot. He made Sabu. He made Shane Douglas. He made him franchise. He made him the franchise, you could say. So that's that's why he was so important to the zenith that is of extreme championship wrestling. Let's see. I got so many names, CW. I, I know. I'm, I'm trying to give you an ECW champion that you won't go into a CM Punk diatribe. Let's see. Let me go with. That's it. Mike Awesome. Bring up Mike Awesome. Because that guy was a fucking head of his time, dude. That guy. I, I Bef- Every time be- I see him. Before. I- be- okay. Before him. Let, uh-huh. Let's save him second. Okay. But let's go before him to the human suplex machine. You might have a different difference of opinion of him. I guess I get you. But he was the Tasmaniac in 93. 
he morphed into the human suplex machine, Mr. You know, Shoot Fight Taz, who was managed by Bill Alfonso uh, originally. Then he more, you know, he was a solo act. He was just it, it's so funny because of the stature. He's my size, maybe, maybe an inch smaller. I might be taller than Taz. But on TV visually, he looked like the the guy that could kick your ass. And he could kick two other guys' asses at the same time. But, you know, realistically in kayfabe interviews, a lot of like New Jack made fun of Taz. You're like, this boy's a bitch. But that's neither here nor there. But on TV, Taz made you believe. And, and this is the ECW one because when he went to WWE and had the double Z, he was nothing to me. He was dead to me. But Taz and ECW, when he was the champion, I was like, he could take Hulk Hogan. He could whip his ass. That WCW title would be ours. He could whip. Well, not whip, but he could uh, He could hang with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He could hang with The Rock. What say you about the human suplex machine task? I know the realities of the WWE kind of don't 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 mix them. I'm trying to try to stay focused on the ECW, the 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 visual of Taz of ECW, not the visual of Taz with the double Z. There's two different Tazes. I think you're. I mean, I'm a first and foremost. I'm going to say the biggest difference between Taz and ECW and WWF. You ready? Go ahead. Sixteen foot ring, twenty foot ring. So if he looked small in ECW. He looked even fucking smaller in WWE. Oh, so that's probably what held him back. But his you'll never forget his debut. That fucking light came on and the fucking New York, I think it was, the Monday Night Raw. Master Square Garden Raw Rumble. He, he came out and wrestled. No, I mean his when he came out and wrestled fucking Triple H. Oh, that, Tri- yeah, that was 2001. Tri- yeah. So Triple H beat fucking uh, Booker T who was mm-hmm. the last WCW world champion. And then like a week later, two weeks later, Taz comes out and he beats Taz and they were calling Triple H the undisputed champion because he beat the ECW because he was the reigning ECW champion when mm-hmm. he fought Triple H. But the crowd ate it up. They loved him. I liked him when he had the fucking hair. It was like the fucking Finn Balor demon hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but my problems with Taz were this. He was, to me, like the Dudley boys, it was a human suplex machine. He suplexed motherfuckers with absolutely zero fucks how they landed. And people would land on their fucking head, their shoulder in their head. Their, their neck. Because, you know, your, your neck. He mm-hmm. did them one-armed fucking T-bones and just killed guys. And I don't remember how he was in the locker room when I went to that show. I, I, I'm Sabu, I, I, I brought some on a million shows of Sabu, so I'm, I've had conversations with him. But he always keeps to himself, but not dickish. He's just quiet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Pee Wee, who was the referee when Shane Douglas and Flash Funk had the title match, fuck that guy. But he was always with Sabu, uh, Pee Wee Anderson. Um, which I, I get, no, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say fuck him now if I saw him today. I didn't like him when I started in the wrestling business. He's a dick. But, uh, okay. but they used to fuck with him. Kevin Nash and them would fuck with him on WWE stuff. And Taz and Sabu defended him. I think Sabu did. I don't know. Anyways. I think the Nasty Boys were fucking with him, not Kevin Nash. But anyways, Taz was another guy who was perfect for ECW because, you know, I, again, not to be a Vince apologist, but it's easy for Sat Taz to do what he did to guys like RVD, Sabu, Shane Douglas, PJ Walker, all those guys because they weren't that much bigger than him. It would not look right if he's doing that shit to fucking Razor Ramon, Triple H, 
you know, guys that are twice his size. It just wouldn't look right. And okay. unfortunately, but I'll tell you, that guy probably thinks he lived his dream one way or the fucking other. You know, he was the man. And and he's another guy. You cannot talk ECW and not bring up Tay. You can't do it. And I think my opinion on him now is way better than it was then. Because I think he's another guy. I think he's an old school guy where kayfabe was still a thing. Uh I, I think he loves the business because uh, I think that's why he's still here commentating, whether it be AEW or when he was doing it for WWE. Um, and, he, and he did it in a way that he just wants to be around. He's good at it, right? He's not the best, but he's not the worst. And mm-hmm. I think that's from a love of the business. And his son, eh, he's going to have the same fucking knocks against him unless he decides to go on a couple fucking cycles of Deco, D-Ball, and all that shit. Because right now... He looks like Bud Bundy in the fucking ring, and he hasn't beaten all these dudes, which is fine when it's that little painted face dude because he's fucking also 105 pounds. But you put him in there, he starts doing that shit. It's a Jurassic Park guy. But 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 again, T.W., that, that fan base is 105 pounds, and they relate to him. So neither here nor there. But but if he does that shit to Jurassicsaurus, whatever the fuck his name is, it, I don't give a fuck who da- you are. Dan Housen. No. The fucking That's dinosaur. Oh. No, oh, Luchasaurus? Yes, that fucking... He starts fucking suplexing him all over the place. It's not going to look... It's going to look will. stupid. Give it time. Give it time. But it, neither here nor there. But let's go on now. Because we talked about him. fan base. Huh? 105-pound fan base. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> but, you know, neither here nor there. But anyway, let's go on to the next champ. Again, I, I might skip a couple of people. No, I, yes. Mike, awesome. Damn it. You told me yes. the second we're going to talk about I will. Mike. I will. I'm just saying. But I have to acknowledge people like Sabu was an ECW yeah, champion. RBD. Mikey Whipwreck was – well, I'll get to RVD. That's a deep – I'm going to have a debate with you on that one. But leave that for last. Mikey Whipwreck was an ECW heavyweight champion. Johnny Hotbody was an ECW heavyweight champion. You probably didn't know. Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam Bigelow, triple threat, beat Shane Douglas, was an ECW heavyweight champion. So, you know, I want to give credence to certain people within the names. But now, let's get into the guy that you're happy about, amped about. And at at the time, I was pissed at. Mike Awesome. Now, he wrestled in FMW in Japan, and, of course, he he went back and forth between FMW in Japan and ECW. So he wasn't a full-time ECW guy, but he's, you know, in America, Mike Awesome got his legs, if you will, Reflection Nights, in ECW. He got the reputation in EC, in America because of ECW, and the matches that he had with Masato Tanaka in Japan, they brought it over to ECW because it was the perfect organization, TW, to uh, have that platform for them to do some of the dumbest shit ever, going through tables, using chairs, and all this stuff. And I only gave you a small. Yeah, he's gone. He looked like that fucking guy that. Yeah, well, that, that's not Masao Tanaka, but no, uh, yeah, I bet but... you that's his kid. <laughs> but anyway, Tito, I only gave you a small sample of what. Masato Tanaka and Mike Awesome did. But Mike Awesome is one of the best big men. He was ahead of his time with the power bombs. He was ahead of his time with the... He did stuff off the top rope with... And he he did the tight ropes. He did the tight ropes off the top of the rope. So Mike Awesome, legitimately one of the best big men in the the 90s. He was better than Kevin Nash. He was better than Vader. He was better than Psycho Sid. He was better than all these guys at 6'8 and 300 pounds, TW. What say you about Mike Awesome? Now, before you even say everything in the ring, I still hate what he did, but I understood it. 
He's a businessman. He got he's got a family. He's got bills, like you said. So if the checks weren't clearing, or if WCW wanted to pay you a hundred or hundred fifty thousand dollars more a year, guaranteed, I understand that. But again, TW, if you talk, if you and me were talking in two thousand, I would have had to slap you trying to convince me what Mike Austin did was okay. I was like, no, you didn't. He was. I don't think what he did was okay. But he was he was desecrating the ECW title. He was mess, he was messing with me and my organization. He what was, did he do? He, he was Slept, spitting right? on the on the business itself. He he was he went on WCW TV while under contract and while under being the ECW heavyweight champion. No no ways around it. You could, Chance, you could tell it? No no, but that, that was or, that was that was orchestrated and that was approved. It was a difference. What so Mike what did Austin, he do on WCW? Did he talk shit? No, no, he just jumped. He jumped without not finishing his dates. But go ahead, TW. Talk about the wrong. greatness Which of Mike Austin. Yeah. But to be fair, to be if done. he's not getting paid, then we're. I'll tell you what. If he did that, he did it because he knew Paul couldn't fucking afford a lawyer to sue him for doing it. Because otherwise, no, again, that's hindsight. But, I know that. But my thing is, every time I've seen that guy, anything he did in ECW, I can't stop thinking, how the fuck. Was this guy not guy not already in WWE? Because this guy had WWF written all over him, other than maybe Vince was afraid of him doing all the fucking flippity shit. But mm -hmm. here's what probably happened, right? It's like the dating game. You got door number one, door number two, door number three. Door number one, stay with ECW, pray you get paid. Door number two, go to WCW. Door number three, go to WWF. WCW probably said to him, look, man, you're an ECW guy. They're not going to do shit with you, and they're not going to guarantee you money. I guarantee you money. So he chose door number two. I believe if he knew how that shit was going to play out by going through door number two, he would have chose one or three instead because WCW ruined that fucking guy. Like, flat out ruined him to where Vince was like, what the fuck am I going to do with this guy now? He's the fucking 70s guy and whatever the fuck else he was. I don't even know what the other the, stalker the fat, or some the shit. Fat no, the fat chubby chaser. thriller. Chubby chaser. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then they fucking just ruined the guy. He looked mm -hmm. like he probably wasn't the brightest fucking guy, but he probably was a fucking super nice, like everybody's buddy. I would I just he just looked that way to me. And he was so fucking gifted that like I, I was starting to say when I brought him up the first time, I, I fucking see that guy and I want to tear up immediately to know how the fuck that guy's life ended. It sucks. Because this guy had he should have been fucking Brock Lesnar before Brock Lesnar was. Like, let Brock be the beast version, but he could have been the fucking happy-go-lucky, kick-your-ass-and-party-afterwards, right? And then he went from that to fucking nothing, selling houses, wherever the fuck, living with his parents, I think. And it was I, like, I don't know after that, but yeah. I think but. he might have been going through a divorce, all that, whatever the fuck caused him to take his own life. But it's just like, what the fuck? For all the shit people give Vince McMahon for bad gimmicks and this, that, and the other thing, why the fuck does WCW get a free pass? Because the they didn't get a free pass. It was dumb. We hate. I hated Mike Austin's they presentation. Don't, they, don't, they, they don't. They've done some of the worst shit I've ever seen on TV, but people still think WWE's done the worst things ever. Yes. Giving birth to a hand is dumb. Katie Vick is dumb. But so is running through the fucking jungle looking for the big show and Kevin Sullivan. 
fighting fucking Big Show, getting choked out by Big Show, and then Big Show, while choking you off screen, says, when I get my hands on you, I'm going to strangle you. Motherfucker, you're strangling him right now, as you said mm-hmm. it. It's terrible. A fucking, fucking Bigfoot truck going off the roof of Cobo Hall into the Detroit River, and he mm-hmm. comes in wet like he just came in. Fuck that. But That's TW. It was horrible. TW, look at that. Look, look at the look at the little snippet I gave you with Masato Tanaka and the depths that he and him did. They had chemistry with each other. They were Absolutely. crazy as fuck. Yeah. So and that motherfucker, that motherfucker took the worst bump of the match. He landed like he took a suplex from Taz and then stood up to no sell it. And then fucking Mike Austin gave him like a sit down power bomb. I'm like, that would have been a good finish. Like. He fucking gets up from the suplex like he didn't do nothing to me and then immediately gets banned after the next move. Like, all right, mm-hmm. he had a second win, but it wasn't enough. But they were fun matches, and he he got whipped to the corner, and he fucking climbed up the ropes and did a back spring elbow. I'm like, what the fuck? This guy, he had it. He had all of it. He had, he had it. He had been a fucking star, and fucking Vince fucking – or. Eric fucking that had to be a Vince Russo gimmick, that seventies guy and chubby chaser. Fucking yes. god awful, dude. Just absolute yeah. drizzling shits. You can see it on his face, but he's a guy who tried to make lemonades out of fucking lemons and it, it didn't work. And then they fucking go out of business. I don't even was he even brought into WWF after that? Was he there for a for minute? For the for the invasion angle just a little bit, but not it, it didn't last yeah. that long. So neither here nor there. Got lost so, in the uh, fucking shuffle, man. Yeah. So there was a, you know, Masato Tanaka was an ECW champion because he defeated Mike Austin. So they did the flip-flop of uh, of the EC, the 50-50 booking, if you will. So I'm not going to go into that. So let's go into one of my, I'm not going to say my favorite ECW champion of all time. But, you know, this this man is an example of, you know, you like you said, TW, making uh, lemonade out of, taking lemons and making it lemonade. You know, he was Aldo Montoya. He was PJ Walker. He was the 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 run of the litter in the clique. He was even below X Pac. He was the guy carrying everybody's bags. But in ECW, he became just incredible. He had to overcome a lot because of the the fan base, that rabid fan base, TW, that that always said PJ. They always chanted Aldo. He had to fight that to legitimize himself to become an ECW champion. And again, he'll even tell you this, his greatest time, his greatest run, he even will say it himself, was extreme championship wrestling. Now, TW, I I know you didn't watch a lot of ECW, but you have to agree that Justin Credible in in WWE sucked. Even the WWE ECW version of Justin Credible sucked because he wasn't prioritized. But if if you saw the original... ECW of just incredible. Paul Heyman just said, I'm giving you the ball. Do what you got to do. Get over. And he did. He had to overcome a lot of shit. But at the end, at the end of the original ECW run, people were like, Oh, just incredible. This dude is serious. What say you about just incredible? He had that speech impediment or whatever the fuck he had going on with the overbite <laughs> or whatever. I couldn't get past it. Um, I didn't like that he dressed like Reckless Youth, which was not far off from what I dressed like. Um, mm-hmm. was, was Did Reckless Youth ever do anything with ECW? Because he's from Jersey. Maybe, maybe a spot show in the Jersey area, but no, nothing like permanent. Super, super, super nice guy, man. He, he, he definitely should have done – him and D'Lo grew up together, so he should have done some stuff 
I think he did some Smoky Mountain with D-Lo, but probably, like you said, spot stuff. But um, him and Dirty John Montoya, who, by the way, JB reminds me of. If anybody knows what JB is, let us know. We've got a fucking milk box with his fucking picture on it. But um, I don't know either. Montoya, I, like, his look, PJ Walker, the job guy, I was a fan of. He was right up there with fucking Powers and Roma for me. It's like a guy that he just had a good look to him when he had hair and everything. And then when he became Aldo Montoya, the Portuguese man of war, it wasn't a bad gimmick. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you got to remember it's, they're not booking for us, right? Think I know, about I know. it. When he got that gimmick was the 93 when it got as cartoony as fuck. When you got the goon, T.O. Hopper, all those guys, um, they were just how the T.W. a Puerto Rican. I'm not cheering for a Portuguese man of war. I don't care. I'm a teenager. I don't think even a seven year old is going to chant is going to cheer for a Portuguese man of war. They don't know what a Portuguese man of war is. Right. So you just think that that guy there is the Portuguese man of war. But I, I thought it was a good look. It was colorful. I didn't get the fucking name. But and plus he's a little dude, so the man of anything made no fucking sense. But right. like I told you, I became Tommy Wonder because I knew when the time came, my 180 pound ass, six foot tall, wasn't going to be called the Wonder Man in any wrestling promotion that wasn't backyard wrestling. But uh, but at the end of the day, I, I, I'm happy for that guy because he is like, think about this. He was a job guy that was in the click. Mm-hmm. He, he probably got the Montoya gimmick from being in the click. Could be. Click, I don't know. Everybody in the click at some point was IC champ or tag champ or world champ, and this motherfucker hung out with them on a the regular. Yeah. He, again, right Jesse's place, nice right time. Nice right place, right time. Winning friends over or whatever the case may be. Yeah, but he took advantage of the of a, of a new platform or another yep. platform, uh, the alternative ECW. Took the cane from Sandman, made of his own, and all this stuff. So you know, you got to give he, Wasn't he one of the main guys in the invasion? He was like one of the leaders, wasn't he? No, he was in it he though, was, right? He, he was in it, but he wasn't the main guy. It, oh, that's how bad it was. was that's how. Oh. That's how like small of a priority he was because it wasn't a big deal that he jumped to. Well, not jump, but he signed with WWF in two thousand one. It didn't matter. That's how Vince McMahon looked at certain guys. So he wasn't that big. So again, there's so many I can talk about, but I'm gonna I want to do two, and then we're gonna close it out. The first one I want to talk about is your guy, because we got to give credence to the last official ECW Heavyweight Champion of the World, and that is the Man Beast Rhino. And TW, I'm gonna be honest with you. I know you have a history with uh, the Man Beast Rhino. You you know you went up the highways and byways and the shores of Lake Winnipesaukee and all that stuff. So you have a history with Rhino. So you might be not not gonna say you're biased towards him, but I never I never gravitated when he won the ECW Heavyweight Title. I gravitated when he won the Television Title because I figured that's where he was level wise. At the time, being the last champion, again, you know, polit- you could say it's politics, but I say it was bankruptcy. I say it was like the check's not clearing, and he was trying to make something out of nothing. And, of course, if, if you're going to be handed the ECW title, I'm going to take it too. Even in the last, you know, the titanic days of ECW, that's still something. He's the last legitimate ECW heavyweight champion of the world. I just couldn't take him seriously. No need pass. Yes, I know. That's why. But, that's why you couldn't take him seriously. Maybe that's the reason, but I just couldn't res- I couldn't resonate. But 
TW, this is your man. Put him over as best as you can, and then and then and then you know I'm going to talk about a debate a little bit to end the show. It's not this is not the compliment you want to hear when you're the big tough guy. He's a fucking sweetheart of a human being. Mm-hmm. He he absolutely. I don't. I wonder. You know, one day when I see him again, I'm going to ask him what does his body feel like because. The guy went through fucking tables with the best of them, either by putting you through it and went right behind you through it, or got put through it himself. Um, he signed up, man. He, you know, here's the funny thing about him, right? So he did those tours with Adam and Jay, which are Christian and 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 Edge, and I didn't do that on purpose, by the way. I'm not pulling the Nate Matson. I just Adam and Jay is what we we all call each other by our Rhinos Terry. We all went by our fucking real names in the locker room, whatever, when we introduce ourselves. So, anyways. He did those tours with them. Has some great stories about that. But do you know where he went before that? Or it might have been, it was before Edge signed with WWF. Where? Rhino went to fucking Germany. Because guys built like him fucking excel over there. They they go over there. They British Strong fucking, Style was a thing. Yeah, it was fucking catch this catch can where it's half shoot. And... Mm-hmm. So you're not going to fucking get a tougher guy than fucking Terry, right? And But he's a sweetheart. He's like, I'm puking next to him. This guy's making sure I'm all right while he's fucking making this shit. He's just, just an absolute gem of a human being, right? And I'm still not around. discounting that. I'm just saying I, no, no, no. he's just not that I'm guy saying, for me. If you, if you knew him, you would cheer for him. And we already know how I felt about ECW, right? Mm-hmm. When I found out he was TV champion, I was proud of him. Like, fucking I want it, right? And then he went on to win the world title, and I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, I'm like, hey, that means something, right? I didn't right. know it was on the fucking last legs, but I was happy for him. And I remember asking him one day, because he went through a table, and there was a banding around the table. And when he went through it with the guy, that banding got fucking tangled up on him. And I was like, dude, what the fuck, man? Did that hurt? He goes, Tommy, it's plastic. I always thought it was metal. Because remember the tables in school? I'm sure New York schools are just like Detroit ones that thick-ass fucking wood things that fold up mm-hmm. in the wall, and it was a metal band around there. So that shit would cut you if you right. fucking broke off the table. So that's what I always thought it was when you go through there, but he's like, no, Tommy, those are fucking plastic. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes more sense. But he's the one that got me to tan with baby oil, and I almost fucking cooked myself. But no, he's he 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 he's another guy who he's deceptively bigger than he actually is. Uh, he's not that tall at all uh probably my height but because he's so much bulkier that he probably looks he's shorter very, at that time he was very stocky he was very yeah. stocky for his size he, he's built like ram man is what i used to tell people from he-man but mm-hmm. i'll I, i'll never forget I, it might have been a wrestlemania it was edge and christian in one of them ladder matches and rhino came out to help tlc2 in the in houston in 2001 okay and mm-hmm. that was his debut, and I was like, all right, you know. And, they, and then they called him the Man Beast Rhino when he came out. And do you know the story about how he got the R-H-Y-N-O? Uh, I think it was more about marketing. That was, that was no, the issue. there's Rhino, Rhino Liner is the stuff they put in the back of a pickup truck where they spray that coating on there. Mm-hmm. So whenever a guy goes to go there, the, uh, the WWE office does like a copyright search to make sure it's not something that's already copywritten. And right. they were going to change his name. And Paul Heyman was like, the fuck you are. He's like, that's the man beast Rhino. He goes, no, you're changing nothing. And he's like, well, we can't use the name Rhino. He goes, I don't give a fuck. Put a Y where the I is. And they're like, done. And that's why he's R-H-Y-N-O in WWF. But, 
Paul whatever, Heyman fought for it. Yeah, what whatever works. So you know, again, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't gravitate as him as the heavyweight champion. That was just my as a fan. I think, but I, I understand think him and Taz works. Him and Shane Douglas doesn't. Him and Mike Awesome kind of does, but doesn't. But I think him versus Taz. Him versus Sabu even. Sandman. I think that works. He, he had more wars with Sandman during his title reigns. But you felt like that would be a TV title level, not a world yes. title level. Yes, that's the way I figured. I think that it was TV too, title was pretty prestigious, though. Yeah, but to me, I figured that was too... It was too much too soon for right. Rhino to be that. But, again, oh, yeah, sure. circumstances beyond his control... I know he's not going to say, no, I don't I don't deserve the ECW Heavyweight Championship. I'll take that torch and do the best I can. Like you said, make lemons, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. So neither here nor there. But before we close Reflection Nights, again, there were so many champions. I, you know, I got to acknowledge the innovator of violence the week that he won the, t- the, the title. Remember all that stuff. But neither here nor there. But there's a debate, TW, and we have to at least address this before we close out. Now... You know, people will debate with the professor, and I, and I try I try to give this man the loophole because of the circumstances. But you remember ECW One Night Stand 2006, right? You remember when RVD was Mr. Money in the Bank RVD, cashed in against John Cena, and it was for the WWE title. So he was challenging for that title. But then we heard the news that ECW was coming back. Now, the show itself was okay. I, I love the one-night stands. 2005 was more. I love 2005 more than 2006 because 2005 was nostalgic, and it was a celebration of the history of ECW. 2006, I was kind of on the fence. It's still my brand, but I was like, oh, no, Vince McMahon is trying to take advantage and milk some money out of this. But I knew that. <laughs> but people always fought with the professor because I said, I don't recognize Rob Van Dam as an ECW champion. I recognize him as a WWE ECW champion. And some people say, I get you, Professor. But no, he actually was handed that belt. That was Rhino to him. Now, anything after that with the Big Show and Bobby Lashley and CM Punk and John Morrison and Christian, I'll give you that, Professor. But you got to give RVD his ECW props. I say no, T.W. What say you? And then we're going to close it out. I didn't know that he wasn't um, – that, that that was his first time having that belt. Was that show? Yeah. And it was on the WWE side. It wasn't, the, it wasn't authentic. He was, he was groomed to be the ECW champion, but it, a leg injury simple. curtailed simple. that. What? Simple. I'm going to ask you one question. Go ahead. And if, and if your answer is yes – then it counts. Did he deserve to be the champion any other time? And this was the one last chance to give him what he was not able to get. Yes. Then it counts. It's like Jimmy Snuka getting that fucking belt, getting a heavyweight title that he never got in WWE because he was always fucking snipping the IC belt. He was a deserving champion. So just like I brought up earlier, you ain't taking my Northern Ontario Wrestling Light Heavyweight title away from me. I defended that motherfucker one time. Actually, no. I beat Rico and became the champion. That's how it happened. And then the next night, we didn't even talk about that, though. 
So my my debate is lineage. I do, I never discount that Rob Van Dam is an right. is a easy is an easy to is a world heavyweight champion. Away, if we count the title, then we take away Rhino as the last champion, and if he's effectively affectionately referred to as the last real ECW world champion mm-hmm. by who I don't know who, don't then know. then it doesn't count. But I think and then. So wasn't Tommy Dreamer chasing like he, no it was he had never beat Raven right is that right. is that what the and he beat him finally on the invasion but that, or was but it the, during no was that was during WWE? the ECW days it was in ninety Raven was but, part of that yeah wait a minute you mean the real ECW the real ECW that that booking was for ninety seven which he didn't like he didn't want to beat him but because Raven was, was going to WCW. No, no, no. Something in WWE that he did, and he lost, and that was his way leaving WWE. He lost. No, that was that was the WWE CW running the booking that he was doing. That was that was a different thing. But Tommy Dreamer was an ECW champion in both sides, the WWE CW and the original ECW, which he didn't want to be. But I'll give you, I'll give it to you, TW. Yes, he he's a deserving heavyweight champion. I'm not discounting that. I'm never going to dispute that. I'm just saying. Lineage-wise, he's not an original ECW, even though he's that first WWE ECW champion, which you can give maybe a little bit, a little, you know, open-door policy, if you will, of of calling it, of, of passing that lineage. But then, like you said, you take away Rhino's uh, calling card as being the last official. So that's why the professor wins the debates. You <laughs> fucking cretins. And with that being said, we close <laughs> on another excellent spotlight, the ECW Heavyweight Championship. TW, you know, is there any other belts you want to talk about? Any other spotlight belt additions you want to talk about in the future? Because I don't want to I don't want to take anything away from you, but you know, let's think about it. How long has NXT been around? Uh, since As 2000, NXT. Since 2010, 2011. All right, so that's that's Seth Rollins for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long was FCW around before then? It kind of merged. Remember, we did that show in 2009. So let's say 2007 to 2011 or 12. Oh, so no. it wasn't like 2004 or five or six. No, that was OVW. Forget it then. Um, okay. Well, while you think about that, during, you know, when you slide into the DMs, TW, give out those important socials so we can get out of here. Did you see who I held up? Electra Lopez, yeah, I saw it. And it's a green prism card. That's worth money. I was looking here the whole time. I got a Charlotte Flair worth $25. Oh, cool. That's only $15 less than the whole pack. Nice. All right. I don't even like Charlotte Flair. And me and my buddy had this turn. See all this shit behind me? Some mm-hmm. of the shit behind me, some of the shit in front of me and to the sides of me, I'm not married to it. So if it was ever worth a shit ton of money, I'll sell it. Not everything. They, There's some things they, I ain't selling, but like my He-Mans, WWE Masters, no, Masters of the WWE Universe. It's Ultimate Warrior dressed up made out of a He-Man figure. Ever show you those? Yes, you did. That's nice. And I, got, I got Sting, too. I wish they had made a red Sting because I got two Warriors, one Sting. All right. So the show is at PWR or PW Reflection. I would say PWR Reflection. PW Reflection on Twitter. Uh, yours is PW Hustle Prop. Oh, I might sell on yours. I'm just reading it up. Hey, go uh, ahead. Uh, 
But anyways, epic Ray Hernandez. Uh, happy anniversary to him. By the time he hears this, it won't be his anniversary anymore. But uh, I couldn't be happier for that guy and his wife. Uh, you and I, I'm, I'm, I'll get you teared up. You and I know the road they've traveled. And mm-hmm. uh, as a heartbreak kid myself over here, not wrestling related in real life, I, I love that dude. And I and I, I tell you, I, I, I cried tears of happiness. Big Ray, a year ago, I'm going to cry him again later on for his anniversary because I, 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 there's not a nicer guy on the planet. There might be some that's nice, but there's not a nicer guy on the planet than Big Ray. Um, I watch TikTok every damn day to see his morning thoughts. I've begged him for the last two weeks to show me how to fucking implement all the gimmicks in there. I just do my regular shit. But but anyway, speaking of which, my TikTok is at Dean Tommy Wonder, which is also my other Twitter handle. And then also Twitter at Tommy Wonder 19. Snapchat's number wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder, the PWC network at podbean.com. Check them out. Big Vito Brand at Wixsite.com, Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Brand as well. And then obviously Dum Dum Doing Idiot someday, somewhere, somehow, we're gonna make another video. Maybe you gotta do a solo dum dum do. You gotta eat it yourself. I did. I did on TikTok. I ate a fucking Cinco de Mayo was buy one, get one free Del Taco. Burritos, and I, I didn't eat the shit on video, but I held that son of a bitch up so you could see it was the size of a small child. And I did not oh. know that when I got two of them, so I ate one and a half. But uh, it was it, one was definitely better than the other, so I'm glad the one was free. But yeah, I might do something. I heard this thing, you, you mix pickle juice with fireball. So I might record myself doing that on TikTok. Okay, I'm, I'm about to go to the bathroom shit right now because of what you just said, but neither <laughs> here nor there. You already talked about my Twitter, PWSOPROF, and of course, if this gets on YouTube, this will be on the PWSO Networks at YouTube. And of course, 8-Track Brown, the king of the reactions, follow him at 8-Track Dastardly, and of course, the man with the documents, Mr. Billy Ray Valentine himself, at ob when you know me. Don't know what we're going to do next week, Reflectionite, so I'll keep you on your toes, Reflectionite, so I'll keep you on your toes. And with that being said, I'm the professor, that's Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Frankenstein himself, the Tommy Wonder saying good night, and we'll see you next time here at the PWR Podcast. Go green, go white. Go Michigan. State, brother, state. Okay, sorry. <laughs>